Well, hello everyone, it's Jason here. I'm one of the pastors at The Way Church, and I wanna welcome you to today's sermon. I don't know where you find yourself, but it's a delight for our team whenever we hear stories of people being strengthened in their walk with God, discovering more about Jesus and his word through these messages. So just wanted to say hello before we jump in and hope that you enjoy. Well, we are continuing in our series through the Psalms, and if you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 107. That is where we're gonna be sitting today. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We'll have it on the screen for you in just a minute. Um, But before we get there, let's just pray together, if you wouldn't mind. Spirit of the living God, we are so grateful that we can gather together in your presence this morning. Thank you that you're here with us. And I thank you that you are writing a story in each one of our lives whether we sense your nearness or not, you are with us and for us. And I thank you, God, that you have given us your word and that you teach us and you correct us and you encourage us through it. And I pray that this morning, you would be our teacher. Let your word guide and teach us. And I pray that the words out of this mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would please you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, uh, the other day I was driving with my kids in the car, and uh, one of my, I have uh, four kids, and one of my sons, his name is Seth, he's 13, and he made a very random observation, which 13-year-olds are great at, by the way, and he just made this random observation we're driving, and he goes, hey, Mom, do you ever think about people that we pass on the street? Like sometimes I just look at people in other cars or as they're walking along the road and I think all of these people have a story. Every single person does a whole life that I'll never know about because I'll just never meet that person or that person. Like do they like their life? Do they like their job? Do they wish they had a different job? I just wonder about who they are and what their story is. And that was it. And then he just kind of moved on to, to something else. And I, it was just as quickly as it came. You know, as a parent, sometimes you're like looking, looking for these moments where you can just like speak into something. And then every now and again, you kind of get like teed up for it. I felt like, te- I was like, this is a moment. And then he was like, so what are we having for dinner? And it quickly changed. But I loved Seth's line of thinking there because he was right. We all have a story. And I love hearing other people's stories. It's one of my very favorite things. And in fact, if I've ever had a chance to to meet with you in like a one-on-one, if we've ever had coffee or lunch together, then you'll know that one of the first things I'll usually say is, okay, tell me your story. Who are you? Tell me about yourself. And it's not just because I'm like trying to kill time or, or trying to be nosy, but it's because who we are right now at this time and in this place has been shaped and informed by what got us here, by our stories so far. And of course, all of our stories are so different, so unique. But interestingly, even though our stories are different, if you're a follower of Jesus, then our stories share at least one thing in common, and it's this that we have a specific plot point in our lives where somewhere along the journey, somewhere along the way, we made a decision to follow Jesus. 
Now, obviously, the circumstances surrounding our individual decisions to follow Jesus, the when, the where, the how, and the why, all of that, all of those are wildly different. But the point is, is that at some point in our lives, we heard the gospel, we heard the good news of Jesus Christ and decided that it was real, decided it for ourselves. Nobody else made the decision for us. We decided that we would give our lives to following the person of Jesus Christ. And as his followers then, part of living out our story now is to remember that plot point, to remember when our story changed, to remember the before and the after of our lives, to remember our individual redemption stories, to remember the difference that Jesus made and is making in our lives. And Psalm 107, the psalm that we're going to be looking at today, is a call to God's people to do exactly this, to remember our stories, to remember that there was a time in our lives where we came to the end of ourselves, when we cried out to God and he rescued us. And actually, Psalm 107 is not just a call to remember our story, but to tell our story. So look with me, if you will, at the first, we're just going to look at the first three verses of Psalm 107. It begins this way. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Okay, verse two said, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And that line there essentially sets up the rest of this psalm because what the author goes on to do is to give four examples, four different examples of redemption stories that need to be told. Four examples of situations where people found themselves in trouble and in need of a savior. Now, these four examples that the author of this psalm gives, they're they're not exhaustive. They're not the only kind of redemption stories. But I do want to suggest that I think that they sure do encompass a lot of people's stories, which is kind of the point. So here are the four examples of the redemption stories that are given. They're the stories of the wanderer, of the prisoner, of the fool, and the vulnerable. The wanderer, the prisoner, the fool, and the vulnerable. So in our time together today, we're going to look at each of these redemption stories that the psalmist names. And as we move through these, here's here's what I want to suggest to us. That these examples are meant to illustrate to us how God can and will step in and deliver us from a wide range of situations, from whatever life might throw at us. And that if we call on him when we find ourselves in these situations, he is faithful to come for us, to rescue us, and to redeem us. Okay? So let's look at these uh, examples in Psalm 107. So the first example is the story of the wanderers. Let's begin reading in verse 4. It says this, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for 
<clears throat> excuse me, for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Okay, so this is the story of the wonder, the redemption story of the wonder. Now, wandering can take different forms, but this first example of a redemption story is interesting because it's describing those who were not always wanderers. In other words, they were at one time in a relationship with the living God, but have wandered from him. Now, as a reminder, uh, if you've been with us through our series, you'll know that we talk about how the Psalms were originally written for uh, the people of Israel, written with the people of Israel in mind. And so the original readers of this Psalm would have understood that this example was very likely a throwback to whenever the people of Israel were wandering in the desert for 40 years. You can read about that in the book of Exodus. And if you know the story of Israel, you know that their story, even after that, is even after their deliverance out of um, Egypt, their story is this constant tug of war between them following God and wandering away from him. And if you read the Old Testament, not just the book of Exodus, but beyond Exodus, it just happens over and over again. And actually, sitting on this side of history, it can actually, it just can be frustrating, at least it is for me, to read the Old Testament, narr Old Testament narratives of Israel constantly just wandering away. Sometimes I read it and I'm just like, haven't you learned your lesson yet? Like, get it together. But also, from where I'm sitting, I just don't think we're all that much different. At least I'm not. Speak for myself. This idea of constantly wandering away feeling the pull to wonder. One of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And it has this chilling line in it. And it says, when you sing it, it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And it gives me like goosebumps every time I sing that part of the song because I know the truth of that statement. I know the truth of what it is that I'm singing. I know how prone I am to wonder. I know my own heart. I am prone to wonder. And the reality is that like Israel, even though some of us have made the decision to follow Jesus, there are times where we just wander away, where we stop trusting in God like Israel did, where we start looking to other things, other lesser things, just like Israel did. We are a people that are prone to wonder. This is the human predicament, prone to leave the God that we love. And we know we love him, and sometimes we can't even figure out what in the world, why am I wondering? Why am I bent in this direction. And so I think that at least part of the beauty of this first example in Psalm 107 shows us that even in our wondering, when we call on him, the living God is faithful to come for us, that he has not given up on us, even in our wondering. And not only does he come for us, he delights in doing it. He delights in being our rescuer. If we fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus says this about the wanderers. He tells this parable. He says, if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, 
Your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. If you're here and you can identify with this, with this feeling of wandering, I want to remind you that God has set on you. And I, I wish that I had had ears to hear that when I was in my own like, time of wandering. But God is set on you. And if you call on him, he will not delay, but he will delight in delivering you. Like Psalm 107 says, he will lead you on a straight path. There will be no more aimless wandering, which is exhausting, by the way. He will satisfy you and fill you with good things. So that's the first example that this psalmist gives is the redemption story of the wanderers. And then he moves on to the story of the prisoners. And we'll read beginning in verse 10. It says this, some sat in darkness, in utter darkness, prisoners suffering in iron chains because they rebelled against God's commands and despised the plans of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their distress or in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness, the utter darkness, and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. So this second example is a story of the prisoner who has been set free. Uh, if you've been around the church for a while, you may have heard this story before, but a few of us have a friend who uh, battled drug addiction in near the early 2000s, and his addiction eventually landed him in jail. And while he was in prison, he went to a, a church service and was given one of those little Gideon's Bibles, and he went back to his jail cell and read it, and then right there in his jail cell, just got down on his knees and prayed a very desperate prayer. In fact, I was listening to his story earlier this week, and he said, this was his prayer, God, if you get me out of this mess, I promise to serve you forever. And without getting into all the nitty-gritty of it, the long story short is that God got him out of that mess. <laughs> and he now runs an addiction recovery center on the East Coast with his wife and has made good on his promise to serve the Lord. It's a beautiful beautiful redemption story. And that's some people's story, that they literally get delivered out of a prison cell where they go on and they have this amazing story of following hard after Jesus. But I also want to say this, that God doesn't just deliver us from physical prisons. Some of us will never see the inside of a physical jail cell. But quite often what God does do is deliver us from spiritual prison cells that we have built around ourselves. That's my story. And without getting into all the details of it, a big part of my own story is that I did build lies around myself. And it's not just that I was lying to other people, but I was lying to myself. 
And it's a hard thing to explain unless you've been there before, this idea that you can lie to yourself and become shackled in your own lies. But it's like everything got so twisted inside of me, I'm not sure I could have recognized what was truth anymore. Up from down, left from right, like I was just so twisted in my thinking. And I'm not sure how else to explain it, but, but if you could have somehow had like a, a window into my heart or into my soul, it just felt so dark inside of me. How Psalm 107 describes it as darkness. Some sat in darkness in utter darkness. I am telling you, it felt like utter darkness to me. Chained up and hopeless. And here's the thing. When you get used to the darkness as I was, I didn't even know I was in the dark anymore. But I remember the day, in fact, I remember exactly where I was sitting in my living room in Houston, Texas, as a teenager, when I came to the end of myself. You know, it doesn't always happen in a church service, as lovely as that would be. (laughs) It happens in living rooms with no piano pads in the background. Uh, It was just an ordinary afternoon. And I finally cried out to the Lord. And I'll tell you what it felt like for me because I often think about this moment in my life. It felt like the Lord had just been waiting for me to cry out to him, waiting for me to ask, because almost before the words were even out of my mouth, I could feel him there breaking down the prison walls, breaking me out of darkness, unshackling my chains. Like Psalm 107 says, I cried out to him. I literally was crying out to him and he saved me. And in a moment, in a moment, it was one of the most miraculous things that nobody else gets to experience except for, or can understand my own experience except for me. But when I tell you that he broke me out of utter darkness and broke away the chains, that's exactly what happened. And so when Psalm 100 says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, and then says, let the prisoner tell their story, I can say, I was a prisoner in my own mind, in my own heart, and the Lord came in and he set me free. He set me free. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, redemption story one was the wonder. Number two was the prisoner, and here's the third redemption story, the story of the fool or the foolish. We'll read beginning in verse 17. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Okay, the thing to notice about this redemption story is that the person isn't called a fool because of their intellect. They're called foolish because they rebelled against God. In verse 17, it says that some became fools. They became fools. In other words, this is implying that they didn't start out foolish, but they became foolish through their rebellion. And their rebellion led to suffering because suffering is just often the natural consequence of rebellion. 
Um, the classic example, you've all heard it before, but you know, when you tell a kid not to touch the stove, right? When I told my toddlers, do not touch the stove, don't touch the oven. If you do, you're gonna get burned. Some of my kids listened. Others who will remain nameless did not. And they knowingly and willingly, they always did the look. They would look at me first, like, I see you, and I'm doing it anyways. And they would go and they would disobey. And let's call it rebellion. They would rebel against me, even in their own little two and three-year-old way. And they would get burned, shockingly. Now, here's the thing. When my kids started crying and asking for my help, I did not look at my toddler and say, well, don't you feel foolish? And, you know, I hope you learned your lesson. And, you know, enjoy that burn. And I hope it, you learned. No. When they started crying and calling out my name and asking me for help, I got there as fast as I could, probably even before they were calling my name. And I got their hand under ice water. I hope that that was the right thing to do. Um, I put aloe vera on it. And I kissed them and took them in my arms and told them, it's going to be okay. But I did always, even in their toddlerhood, told them, this is why you're not supposed to touch the oven. This is also why you can trust mommy. I know what's best for you. The rules are good for you. They're meant to protect you. Of course, that's an example we've all heard, and it's a very small scale. But this is the big idea of this part of Psalm 107. Because some of us have this story where we became fools through our own continued rebellion, where it wasn't just like a one-off thing where we made one uh, rebellious decision, but where we continued in our rebellion and by continuing in our rebellion, essentially became foolish in our ways. And at some point, like Psalm 107 points out, there's a point where we cried out to the Lord. And like a good father, he rescued us and healed us. Okay, last example. Wanderers, prisoners, the foolish, and now the vulnerable. This is the fourth redemption story that the psalmist uses as an example. Beginning in verse 23. Some went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Okay, so you might have noticed I called this category the, the, the redemption story of the vulnerable. And the text does not explicitly say these are vulnerable people, but it's implied. Because um, sailors are at the mercy of a few things when they're out on the, on the um, ocean. They're... they're um, at the mercy of the strength of their ship. They're at the mercy of the knowledge of the sailors on that ship, but they're also primarily at the mercy of Mother Nature. Like they don't know what's gonna be out there when they're on the waters. 
And so they're quite vulnerable. Now, the interesting thing about this example, unlike the other three, is that these people were not doing anything wrong. They weren't aimlessly wandering. They weren't shackled in prison. They were not living in foolish rebellion. They were just like going about their daily lives, doing their job. They were sailors. In fact, it says that they, they saw the works of the Lord while they were doing that job. And so there they are, they're going along, they're doing their thing. And then out of nowhere, a storm comes along and almost takes them out. And their courage that was there in the good times when everything was going good and the smooth sailing times is gone when the storm comes. It says that their courage melted away. And some of us have this story as well of following Jesus. And things are going pretty okay. And then bam, something happens. And out of nowhere, we get rocked to our core. We get stripped of our confidence and of our courage. Now, I think that it's interesting that the vulnerable ones here respond the same way as the other three stories. Even though their circumstances were very different, even though they had done nothing wrong, their response ends up being the same. They too find themselves in a place where they are crying out to the Lord in desperation, and he saved them. He saved them. So these are the four examples of redemption stories that the psalmist uses. And I hope you noticed as we read that, I mean, if we had the time, we could have done like a whole chart. I like charts, okay? Where we'd show you how the verses all line up and it looks so interesting and all four examples end the same way. It would have been a color-coded chart. I can't stop, okay? <laughs> Just need you to know. It would have been color-coded and highlighted and arrows. Anyways, um, I know we missed out. Ah, next time. Okay. Um, but all four examples ended the same way, with the person crying out in their trouble, the Lord delivering them in their distress, and the person then expressing deep gratitude to the Lord, deep thankfulness. And it's repeated in, in almost, in fact, I think it is the exact same language every time. Different circumstances, but they cry out, God saves them, and they're thankful, and they express that gratitude. Uh, I was recently reading an Anne Lamott book, and she says this. She says, here are the two best prayers I know. Help me, help me, help me, and thank you, thank you, thank you. And I like that. And I think that that's what Psalm 107 shows repeatedly. Help me, God. Thank you, God. Those are two great prayers just to have tucked away in our vault. Help me, God. When we cannot utter anything else, help me is one of the most base and beautiful prayers that I know to pray. That's quite often the repertoire of my prayers. Help me, God. Thank you, God. Uh, Jared, you can go ahead and make your way up to the piano. If we go back to the beginning of Psalm 107, I wanna remind you that this whole thing begins with this line, or begins this way. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That's in verse two. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you this morning to remember your story. Remember what God did in your life. You may identify with none of these four 
examples that the psalmist names, you might identify with all of them because I think there's a real world in which we can be any one of those, maybe all of those. But the point is remember. Remember what God has done in your life. And not just so that we can remind our own hearts, which is good for us, but it's because other people need to hear your story. And this is not a gifting issue. This isn't whether we're good. I cannot tell. I feel like I have the most awkward mouth, the most awkward way with words. This is not a gifting issue. This is about just in one-on-one conversations and not being weird or heavy, but just remembering often what God did in our lives. I love when Chris shares stories about how DeAndre just so casually and beautifully just in regular conversations shares with their neighbors. And this is the thing. It's just a everyday, normal thing where we're not embarrassed of what Jesus has done in our lives because there may be those whose only encounter with the gospel of Jesus Christ will be through your life and through your story and through hearing the difference that he's made in your life, the impact that he's made in your life. And not only that, but we actually have a biblical responsibility to pass on our story to the next generation. Psalm 78 says this. It says, we will not hide them from, the, from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. We tell our stories to pass on the baton of faith to the next generation. It's part of what we've been entrusted with. Parents, grandparents, oh, I hope you tell your story to your children and to your grandchildren and you tell it again and again and again. Let them hear the miracle stories. Let them hear what Jesus has done in your life and all the ways that God has met you in your lifetime. I uh, was reading, this is my new book that I'm reading in the mornings along with my Bible. And this is what I read just this morning. It's called Liturgy of the Ordinary. It's a great book. But this is what I read this morning. When we worship Jesus, we rely on millions of Christians over thousands of years whom God has used to bear witness to himself. The only reason we know anything at all about Jesus is because his disciples told their friends, neighbors, and enemies about him. And then the apostles preached and wrote down his teaching and stories about him. And believers since then have carried his message everywhere they've gone in each generation. And the faithful handing down of the gospel is a process that is always embodied and happens in real time with real people. If we do not tell the story of what Jesus has done in our own lives, who else will tell it for us? How will the next generation know if we don't tell them 
How will those far from God know his goodness if we don't share it? How will the wanderers, the prisoners, the foolish and the vulnerable know that there is a God who loves them and can save them? If we don't tell our stories, remember your story, followers of Jesus. I'm gonna invite you to stand up and we're gonna pray together. And then we're gonna respond through communion. We're just gonna take a moment. If you're comfortable, would you just close your eyes? And if you're here and you are a follower of Jesus, I wanna encourage you right now, just in the quiet of your own heart to remember. Take time, pause, real time to remember your story and to thank God for delivering you, for saving you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, maybe take this moment and consider if any of those stories resonate with your heart. And as so many of us have done, and as this psalm shows, we hope you know today that you too can cry out to the Lord and he will deliver you in a moment. And finally, I wanna encourage you to think of those in your life that are wandering, that are the prisoners, the foolish, the vulnerable, who are far from the Lord. And would you just pray for them right now in your own mind and heart? Just think of a couple of names and pray for them. Thank you, Jesus. That you came for us. That through your death on a cross and through your resurrection, you have saved us and you have redeemed us. Thank you that our story gets wrapped up in your story. and that we are headed somewhere 
on pilgrimage to you. And I'm so grateful that you did not just redeem us from something, but you redeemed us for something. You redeemed us so that we could keep on living out our story here and we can keep on telling it. And I pray that we would live lives of gratitude and thankfulness. Help us to not ever forget the difference you have made in our lives. Keep it fresh on our hearts. I pray we would never become complacent, that we would never just get used to it. That we would stand in awe, even today in fresh awe of what you have done in our lives. And for those who are far from you, I pray that even now, even this morning, they would sense your calling to them, your kind, tender, father heart calling to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I wanna thank you for listening to today's sermon. I'm Jason. I'm one of the pastors at The Way Church. And if you want to find out more about what's going on in the life of our church or how to get connected more deeply, you can go to thewaychurch.ca. We're so encouraged to hear stories about how these messages have been strengthening people in their walk with God, drawing them deeper in their relationship with Him and in His Word. And so this is love from our team to you. Hope you're doing well today and love to hear from you.